for the message this morning. It is, I think, a familiar theme, something that I uh, perhaps reference often. And so it's very explicitly just, uh, I think this is an important thought for us, something that we need to continue to think about. And that is, what is important in this life? What is our focus? And where are our minds? Are our minds on earthly things or on the heavenly things? Are we focused on Christ or are we focused on self and how we can please ourselves with the things of the world? So I want to ask you, I just want you to be thinking today, what do you treasure the most? What do you treasure the most? And when you're here at church, I hope your thought is immediately, well, I'm, I'm going to treasure the things of God and the ways of God. I'm going to treasure, treasure the riches and the glories of heaven. I'm going to exalt God and Christ Jesus, his son, walk according to the spirit. Those, those are the things that I treasure. I hope that's your first thought and answer that when you're here today, and I, I hope that as you go throughout the week, this week, and each and every week, every day, when if somebody would come up to you and say, what do you like the most? What do you treasure the most? What is it you enjoy? I hope that your answer will be the same as when you're here and worshiping God. What do you treasure the most? And perhaps the next time that somebody says, well, what do you like doing? Or what do you enjoy? I hope your answer will be something spiritual instead of something Um, that's not necessarily evil, but something that is basically dumb and worthless in comparison to the greatness of Christ. When Adam and Eve, they had everything perfect in the Garden of Eden, so the question comes, why did they sin? When, When they had it perfect, everything was wonderful, they knew God, they walked with God, why did they sin? And the answer is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. You hearing this? When she saw something physical. When she saw the tree was good for food. And that it was a delight to the eyes. Now there's nothing evil about those things, right? Nothing evil. But it's that distraction from what is true and good. When she saw it was good for food, that it was a delight to the eye, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. Look at me. She took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And there was that exchange for what was important to what was not really important, even though it was enticing, the the spiritual gave way to the flesh. I just want to ask you, what do you treasure most? In that moment, that was that decision where where she decided she was going to treasure something else other than God. That's the choice of life, isn't it? What are we going to do? Are we going to choose that which is good, that which is holy, that which is perfect? Are we going to choose the Heavenly Father? Are we going to choose Christ Jesus, His Son? Are we going to choose to walk according to His Spirit? Or are we going to choose something else that kind of captures our attention? Are we going to choose lesser things? When we have every spiritual blessing in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. We look at them in the garden and they say, man, they had it perfect. I wish I could go back there. And I'm telling you, we've got it perfect because we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Those of us who have given our lives to Jesus. Every spiritual blessing. 
So why do we look at the fruit and get distracted? Why do we let the things of the world pull us from Jesus? Why can we not hold fast to Him? The answer is because of those evil desires, looking at the things of the world. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 are the verses I have referenced here. And we're going to reference them later, so I hope you'll turn there and look. 1 John 2, 15. And verse 16, there is no doubt in my mind that the Spirit is making an allusion in these passages to the passage we've already read, that when the woman saw it was good for food, that it was pleasing to the eyes, that it was good to make somebody wise. Listen to this verse, John speaking to uh, other disciples of Christ. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lusts of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. It's not from the Father, but that's from the world. Those things correlate back to Genesis 3. She saw it, she thought it looked good, sure was looking nice, and, and it can do something for me. So, if you're just kind of going through life and you don't realize there is this tug of the world to pull you away from Jesus, you don't realize that there's that tension there that's trying, Satan is working within the world and the things of the world to try and make you you claim to love Christ, claim to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but yet you're holding on to these other things. If you don't know the devil's working like that, then you need to wake up. Because we need to realize that this world tugs at us, the physical things of this world, just life itself And we have to realize, we have to remind ourselves constantly that, as it says there on the paper, I think Matthew chapter 6 is going to establish this, is that the spiritual is more important than the physical. Such a simple truth, isn't it? And it's so easy to kind of forget the simple and get distracted. But as you go through life and you go through each and every day, know that Jesus taught us this, that the spiritual is more important than the physical, and you can't serve them both. You must have only one master. So open your Bible to, uh, excuse me, Matthew uh, chapter 6. And undoubtedly they'll try and call me back. I used to have an app that would silence my phone for me, and boy, I miss it. Now i got to remember to do it on my own. Distractions come, don't they? I didn't plan that. That's, I don't know. All right, Matthew chapter 6. Are you there? Verse 16. And I'm building up to verse 24, where God says you can't serve two masters. 
that's what I'm doing, and I think I'm doing it because I think that's what the Scripture is pointing towards. It's what Jesus is saying. He's, got, he's saying you've got to focus on the spiritual things, not the, not the physical things of the world. All right, so verse 16 through 18. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Can you imagine that? Oh, I haven't eaten. Skip breakfast this morning. I'm praying to God. Oh, you know, can you imagine that? That's what they were doing. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, one of the generalizations that we can make from this, it's talking about fasting, it's talking about why we fast and how we fast. But I think one of the, one of the truths behind that is, is saying that God is more important than food. Isn't the idea of fasting is to put aside the physical for a little while and focus on the spiritual? Fasting and prayer go hand in hand. You want to get in connection with God. You want to be close to Him. One of the things you can do is spend some time in prayer and put away the physical things of the world, even things that you are so important that if you don't have it, you will die. Even those very, very important things which are good, they can be put away for a while. You can kind of moderate that. Our stomach doesn't control us. It doesn't control our lives. But our mind does. Our devotion to God does. It's mind over matter. God's more important than food. I can go without a meal or two or 20. God is more important than food. I think that's part of the point of what Jesus was teaching or acknowledging here. Next. Heavenly treasures are more important than earthly ones. Verses 19 through 21. So he goes from this idea about fasting, then he goes, do not, he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, And where thieves do not break in or steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what do you treasure the most? What is important to you? He makes the point here very clear, and it's very obvious, a simple truth, that heavenly treasures are more important than earthly ones. Devoting yourselves to heavenly things and storing up those heavenly things are more important than the bank account or how big your house is. Heavenly things are more important. The spiritual is more important than the physical. So what are those heavenly treasures? You know, just consider that as you go through your week, you just picture in your mind through the tr- through going through your week, What is it that you do or how you live that shows that you're doing this and applying this, that you're storing up heavenly treasures? What are heavenly treasures? I don't have a definition. You know, maybe scripture clarifies it, but I, I just, 
heavenly treasures, when we love others, when we serve God, when we are, when we are preparing to go back to the Father, when we are honoring God, when we devote ourselves to the Word of God and can put this Word in our heart and be devoted to it, treasure it, and live it out, when we show kindness to enemies, those are, those are treasures. That's storing up for us ourselves treasures in heaven. And the very, very thought then of, of taking a friend or an acquaintance, somebody, you know, just another soul that we meet on the street, another soul to be able to share the good news of Jesus with them. And that's storing up treasures? Taking and helping somebody else to understand what we're talking about today is that Physical things aren't important. It's the spiritual. It's being right with God. That's all that matters. That's what this life is about. That's why we're here. To have faith in Jesus. To prepare it. To show that we are ready and and focused on being with God eternally. Those are some heavenly treasures. What heavenly treasures are we storing up for ourselves? What are we focused on? What are we doing with our time and our lives. So Jesus is showing that the spiritual is more important than the physical. He, he showed that when he told, was telling them that, that God is more important, prayer is more important than food. Um, he, he shows them this when he tells them about this idea that heavenly treasures are more important than earthly ones. And then he tells us t- we've really got to pay attention to how we're thinking or what we're focused on. So what is your mind frame when it comes to the physical and the, and the spiritual and you got those two things going on? What, what are you focused on? How are you seeing the world? This is, what, this is what matters. And as you grow and develop in faith, you realize that you know faith isn't just what you do on Sunday. It's so much of Christianity doesn't get this, I think, but it's how everything, in everything, in all things, that you see God and you see the good and you see what you can do and how you can live in the world to live out, to be like Christ, to live out your faith. So he says, stay focused on what is important. We said that the spiritual is more important than the physical, so stay focused on what is important. In the midst of the craziness of life, when things go wrong, when the carpet has to get sent back, and when you're walking on glue on the floor, and you know, and when it gets cold, and then it changes, and all of a sudden it's hot, and you know, in the midst of all of life, not get distracted by these physical things, the joys and the pleasures of life, or the the difficulties and troubles. Don't get distracted by any of that junk, but just stay focused on God. 22 and 23 of chapter 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, if your eye is healthy and good, your whole body will be full of light. And I, in my mind, in the context here, it's just God, Jesus is saying, if you... If you're seeing the world in the right way, if you're focused on the right things, if you're understanding, seeing the way the world the way Jesus wants you to see it, the way God wants you to see it, then your whole body is going to be full of light. It's going to be good. It's what that's the good life. 
Verse 23, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? You know, so what are you, how are you seeing things? What is your focus? What is your mindset? You know, when you come and hear these messages, does it make a difference? When you take God's word, does it matter? When you apply it to your life, does it help you walk in the light and to see things with light and for your life to be filled with light? Stay focused on what matters. And then comes the verse that challenges us to consider who do you serve? God or man? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And that word wealth translated maybe some different ways. Mammon, stuff. You know, what is it? So there's this, I mean, it's just a distinct difference. When you have, when you have the spiritual versus the physical, when you have the, the things that are unseen versus the things that are seen, you've got to choose which one you're going to serve. The question comes, then, who, what, you've got a decision to make. You make it now and you make it every day of the rest of your life. What are you going to serve or who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve your things because the more things, we've all learned this, I think we would say this is true, the more things we have, then the more we serve them, Right? The, the, you know, cleaning out the basement is kind of a task, you know, and it's, uh, you become a slave to your things. The bigger the house is, the more work you have to uh, upkeep it. You know, the, the nicer you want to make your yard, then it requires all of that work. And there's nothing bad about any particular one of those things. But the question is, then who do you serve? Do those things take you away from God, or are you serving Christ? Staying focused on Him. Who do you serve, God or mammon? Who do you serve, God or money? God or wealth? God or your stuff? God or your phone? Which one do you serve? Are you a, is it the master over you? Which way is it? Do you serve things that are eternal? Do you treasure those eternal things? Or do you serve things that are temporary, that will go away, that will be done? The things that are passing away already. Where is your focus? Who will you serve? Now there's kind of a logical, and this is just kind of a, a little bit more of a focus question to kind of get you thinking in general. But the question might come, well, well, what about, I've got a job that I have to make money to get things. And I'm not working for a church like you, Eric, so, you know. Your, your work is focused on spiritual things, Eric, but what about me? You know, i got to go to work to make money. Am I supposed to give up my work? Am I supposed to give up my money? Am I supposed to get rid of everything? Do I not have totally remove? do I totally remove myself from all things physical in this world? And No, it's focus. It's making sure you're serving God even in the midst of this temporal world with all of its stuff and things. 
So consider that, consider money and work for a second. And I've got some verses that you can go through and look up here. But what's the proper view? Remember Jesus in verses 22 and 23 was saying, he was, what's your mind frame? What, do you have the proper view of things in this life, what you're thinking and how you're seeing? So just considering money and work. Number one, first of all, do work that is good. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 specifically says that. Do work that is good. So you got a job, right? Does it, well, some of you have jobs, right? <laughs> Some of you don't. You got a job. Does your job do good? And you'd be, maybe some of you would say, well, I don't know if my job's good or not. Does it really accomplish anything good? Well, does it contribute to society? Does it provide a service or a good that people can use? That is, in and of itself, there's nothing good or evil about it. Then that's probably a good thing. If you've got a job that contributes to sin and uh, continue, contributes to ungodliness in the world, then I think right now you automatically say, well, I need to back up and think about my mind frame. Who am I serving? Am I serving God or my stuff? Am I doing an ungodly, um, ungodly job just so I can have money and things? That doesn't make sense. I'm not going to sin against God and contribute to an evil world when I should be doing that which is good. So just something, to, a very simple thought, isn't it? Make sure that your, your work, it's not sinful. Make sure your work is doing something good. Try and find something that's doing good. You know, you're serving people food. That's, that's great. There's nothing wrong with it. That's a good thing, isn't it? I'm a fan of McDonald's. Sometimes I think it's, it's good to stop in for a, a Happy Meal, you know, and get a little toy. That, those things are good. That's fine, right? But is that toy our focus? Or do we think, I could do without that toy, but I really love God. He's the main one. I love Jesus more than anything. That's the proper view of money and work and things. Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, not only does it say to, to work doing that which is good, but to do that so that you may uh, be able to help someone in their time of need. That you may be able to share with those in their time of need. So that's my second point. If you, get, if you get money, if you're working to get money and you're doing it through a good job, then use, use that money to share with those in need. That should be a goal of ours, to glorify God, to be able to help somebody who really needs it. And to do so, I would encourage you in the name of Jesus, Ephesians 4.28. And then number three, not only are we uh, doing what is good and then sharing with others in their need, but also at our job we're working heartily as for the Lord. A quote from Colossians 3.23. Work hard at your job. This is the proper view at the world. It's a, having a worldly job, a, a job that's in the world, and you're not working directly. You can't say your boss is Jesus, but you want to work at that job as if your boss is Jesus. You know, you're working at Sonic. You know, you're, you're, you're doing that not for these people who are, can be mean and rude. Managers can be like that sometime and not unthoughtful. But go ahead and, and instead of like you're working for them, work hard, work heartily like you're working for the Lord. Do your best at that job. Give your best to it. And that honors God. That's how we make God, make, make sure that we're serving God and not our job or not the money or anything like that. We're serving, we're serving the Lord when we work doing even if, even if we're mopping up some, some mess. Number four... Um, proper view of work 
and money is that we're commanded to provide for family. So again, this is a good thing. 1 Timothy 5.8 says somebody doesn't provide for their family, then they're worse than an unbeliever. You know, somebody here is, a, is a counting on somebody else to give them money so they can feed their family, and they could be out working. That's an awful thing. They're worse than an unbeliever. It's terrible. So you provide for your family. That's a good thing. God commands it. God is pleased with that. Number five, you work and get some money so that you can promote the kingdom. Philippians 4, verse 16, and I think the whole, the whole book kind of promotes this. These people were helping Paul on his mission. You know, they wanted to give to good works for the kingdom of God. They wanted to see the kingdom promoted and the kingdom of God and the message of God to go everywhere. Number six, use mammon. Um, and that is a quote from this uh, passage, actually, Luke 16, 9. It's in the midst of a, of a parable, and I've preached on this one before, and it's a weird verse, but I come away from this, this, this parable and from this particular verse in Luke 16, 9, saying use our wealth, use our mammon, use our stuff to make friends, to serve other people, and then to win them for Christ. To teach them, it's an opportunity to teach somebody about Jesus. So you just consider those things, some guidelines, some thoughts about, okay, well we can be in the world but not of the world. That's the, that's the intention of this thought about, you know, looking at your job, looking at work. You can be focused on God, you can be serving God, having Christ as your Lord, and still have some... some uh, job in this uh, a career doing whatever it is that you do as long as it's not an ungodly profession so so consider that we're not telling people that you have to go into a monastery that was a misunderstanding you have to remove yourself from the world so that you can serve God only no God teaches us go into the world and even it's your just everyday job you can serve the Lord God you can please God. You can devote yourself as if you're working for the Lord and honor him in many ways. Even with your money, you can honor God. All right. So now, if we're supposed to serve God and not end up serving mammon, then I want to give this uh, admonition to us. Because it is the stuff that's like pulling at us. It was Satan saying, hey, look at the fruit. And that stuff just pulls at us. And, it, and it's trying to get us to let go of God and come over here and grab hold of that fruit. And I just want to encourage you to hold fast. Keep clinging to Jesus. Keep holding on to him in this life. Hebrews 4.14 mentions this idea of hold fast to your confession. That's what we must do. Hold fast to Jesus. He is our confession. Hold fast to Christ, and we need to let go of some other things. We already referenced 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. If you love the world or anything in the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. So let go of loving the world and things. You know, there's nothing wrong with liking a Happy Meal, but we love Jesus, right? We hold on to him. So let go of loving stuff. Whatever, if something's got you and it's like holding on to you and it's pulling you away from Christ, let go of it. 
That's a, that was the idea of fasting, right? Hey, man, food's pretty important, but you can let go of it, and you can fast for a while, hold on to God. It shows who the master is. You're showing that God is the most important. He is the master. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So quit loving. Let go of those things. Don't love the world or the things in it. Number two, let go of every distraction. So back to Hebrews. I want you to look at this one, Hebrews, because Hebrews is really the, the book that has spurred this message on. These folks, they wanted to hold on to, instead of holding on to Christ Jesus, they were holding on to the, what was obsolete. Remember last week we talked about the obsolete? They were holding on, grabbing hold of what they used to know, what was used to be good, that Old Testament law, that law of Moses. They were going back to that. And they were letting go of the latest, greatest, the, uh, the treasure of Christ. Let go of every distraction. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hold on to Jesus. Anything that tries to pull you away from him, every, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. The things that pull us from Christ, let go of that junk. Hold on to Jesus. Very simple. Every distraction, let go of it. Number three, whatever keeps you from bearing fruit. Um, in particular, I think of the, uh, uh, the parable that Jesus talked about of the, the seed, the sower who went out. The one that I think gets, some of it doesn't grow, some of it gets eaten up. Uh, but the one that's interesting is that seed that falls among the thorns. That's, that plant grows up. But it gets choked by the cares and the things and the pleasures of this world. Those are the thorns. The world, that stuff, you let it grow up and start entangling you. That's the thorns and it keeps you from bearing fruit. We've got to bear fruit for Jesus. Let us hold fast to Jesus and we will bear fruit. So let go of the stuff that keeps you from bearing fruit. And number four, whatever is not seeking first is kingdom and his righteousness. All right, so I, you know, we talked about the job. That doesn't mean quit your job, but it's how you have that mindset of, all right, I'm going to use my job to serve God, to glorify God. If there's something in your life that keeps you from seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, it has to go. Get rid of it, let it go. Otherwise, you're holding on to stuff we've already established that the, that the spiritual is more important. The spiritual is more important than the physical. You're going to hold on to the temporary physical things of this life that they're all going to get burned up someday, or are you going to hold on to and cling to Jesus? Otherwise, if you let go of Jesus and hold on to the physical, otherwise there is the warning, warning of punishment, the warning of hell. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27. For if we go on sinning willfully, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, 
There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. That's simple truth. You hold on to the stuff that's going to get burned up at the end of the time, and you're going to get burned up with it. The sad thing is the flame never dies out. Hell is eternal. Uh, and again, it's a simple, simple message, isn't it? But man, oh man. And it's real simple to say amen to it today when we're here and then we leave here and all of a sudden the first thing we're thinking about is, all right, what's for lunch? <laughs> you know, and then what am I going to do this afternoon? All right, and then what's for dinner? All right, now what I got to get done this week? And it's life. It's life. Let us honor Christ in our lives. Let us all look with great introspection and see for sure that we are clinging to Jesus because he is all that matters. And yeah, I use some of this stuff. I have some things, but they're not the things that I serve. I pray that my life screams forth the fact that Jesus is my Lord. And this stuff doesn't own me. I don't serve it. Jesus is my everything and my all. And I pray as we partake of the Lord's Supper here in a moment that that is true for us. As we reflect on our past week, the past few days, and that's what we do when we come to this table is we think about, all right, Jesus is my everything and my all. Have I really been living it? Or is this all just talk? Is this all just, is this just physical thing here? Because I do believe uh, this cracker and this juice, you take it to a lab and they analyze it. It's physical, right? It's carbohydrates and it is watery, tasty goodness from the grape. I like it. Um, but it's just physical stuff. Unless when we come to this table... We are saying, Jesus, you gave me everything, and I give you all. You are my life and my joy, my all, and I'm going to always remember every day and every moment of my life the greatest part of your wonderful word, which is that Jesus, the very Son of God, gave his life for me. Then it becomes something much, much more than physical. It becomes physical, a, a spiritual act as we partake of the body and blood of Jesus as we participate with him he is our life and if we aren't doing that the threat remains the warning remains eternal punishment awaits and so you got to choose choose for yourself today whom you'll serve just as Joshua put down that gauntlet choose yourself whom this day you will serve choose what is important Choose what is eternal. Choose what provides every blessing that heaven has to offer. Choose Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God who died for your sins. And choose him every day. If you have never given Jesus your life in the act of baptism and you know you need to, today's the day you can get it done. 
choose him. And if there's anybody who is a part of Christ, you better make sure that when you get ready to take, partake of this bread and this cup, that you are choosing him with every ounce and fiber of your being. He is all that matters. If you need to respond to any of those calls today, if you need prayers or if you need to come to Jesus, I encourage you to do it today. And now we are going to partake of this wonderful Lord's Supper.